This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Tellus interviews Jason Reynolds. Jason invites us to move beyond the philosophical chatter into deliberate action. Jason facilitates powerful organizational architecture and the development of a personal governance required for long-term success. He is passionate about the everyday hero and in particular the next generation, yet his career spans across progressive multinationals, successful entrepreneurs, and elite performers upon various stages. His work is focused upon the individual becoming their authority, establishing their state of personal governance required to explore sovereignty. He speaks deliberately and profoundly into embracing the chaos we create, providing a proven navigation to embrace the unknown within all of us. He is not focused on changing the world, but having individuals change theirs, inspiring others to do the same by the example they provide. His teaching is confronting and unconventional, but inconveniently simple. He asks you to see the obvious and take action into life by activating an undeniable yet powerful frequency signature. Jason's work with the quantum movement may just re-establish what we know about self-healing as clients consistently move beyond terminal diagnosis. Going against the common approach, Jason maintains a low profile. He has not sought followers or growing a community, instead setting people free to follow an unencumbered pathway within. After 20-plus years, Jason is now in process of exposing and launching his life's work. Here is the interview with Jason Reynolds. In your own words, who is Jason Reynolds? Uh, Jason Reynolds is someone that I'm coming to understand. I think when I was, I suppose, like every teenager, I thought I knew everything and I thought I knew everything about myself. But it's um, like all of us, I suppose, when we're humble and honest that we realize there's so much of us that we, we never get to know and possibly will never understand. So for me, I'm, a, I'm an explorer. I'm a questioner. And I, I love a, a conversation where, where I can hold space with another person who has a, a very varied or different opinion from me because that's where I feel I, I learn the most. I'm, um, I'm a passionate father. I love and are really driven by the way children are introduced into this world and the, the impact that that has upon uh, adults. Uh, I remember as a as a 
child, I suppose, and when, when I grew up, is that children were seen and not heard. And, and I really love the way that that's changed now, uh, that the children are, are given a different platform. There's much more consideration as to how they're educated, how they're, I suppose, introduced and presented. Um, and for me, I'm really someone who believes in independence and I, I find myself at times as a parent. Um, I had my son uh, maybe a year or so ago who was five or six years old who was getting bullied at school. And I remember one of the heartbreaking things was, you know, as a parent, you, you, you nearly have that ironic reaction that you want to go and bully the kid that's been bullying your child. And, you know, obviously that's not the solution. But I remember speaking with my son and saying to him that, you know, what would you like me to do? And I remember him just not knowing what to do, but it was a very patient time over a period of a couple of weeks that I said that I can't step in, that I won't step in, that this is going to be a part of life. And, and that five, six-year-old child was looking back at me, probably not expecting that, but, but in some part he was. But I find it, you know, for many of us, it's challenging to go through the things that become eternal in our own life because it's those changes that, that really shape us. It's it's not about that temporary fix and reacting to emotions. The thing I wanted to do was jump in and help him. But, you know, two weeks later when I saw him come up with a solution where I saw him overcome his own life gave me such a confidence and certainty within myself and within him that allowed him to believe in himself more and be able to approach life in a very realistic way that there's going to be adversity. There's going to be things that are unknown. There's going to be things he can't control initially until he comes to understand them. So, that, that's very much the way that I look at life is to, to not see people around me as incapable because they're different or because I have a, a varied opinion to what I do, but to believe in them that they're capable of making choices, that even though their apparent situation at the moment might not be so you know, brilliant and successful and, and enigmatic and, and prosperous, but People are making choices in their life and that's one thing we always have available to us is how we choose to use the environment around us rather than being used by the environment around us. I love that and I believe that too. Questions that come to mind is guidance. How do you apply that idea of guidance in the case um, having children? How do you teach your son to, uh, how do you guide him to make the best choices possible? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, Look, sometimes for me in, in the role that I have is that I like to have that reflection. And, and I suppose everyone as a parent gets caught up in the way that their children are representing them. Like, don't do that. That's embarrassing. You know, or don't wear those clothes. Don't act that way. Have manners. Now, these are common things of parents because uh, we see at times our children as an extension of our own reputation. But for me, you know, that, that's one of the greater problems. That, that exist. And I suppose that's the way we look at most of our things in life. So for me, I, I don't mind talking. I don't mind sharing my opinion and my own uh, insight. But my son learns from my example. And when I came to accept that, um, seeing like a one-year-old child looking at me intently as I was engaged in something, and I suddenly looked up and felt this energy upon me and he was just copying and moving his hands in the exact way that I was at that time. And it made me realize that it doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter how much I say it. 
if I am not authentic and living by that in my own life, he will not listen to me. And, and it's the same way that we've all experienced at, at times where we've been frustrated and we're trying to get a message across. And no matter how hard we try, no one's listening. But then on the occasion, we, we say, and, and sometimes if you've ever had a, a, a pet, like a dog, you know, there's times when you're trying to, you know, get that dog into order and, you know, to sit. And it, it just got no interest in following what you have to say. But then there's that one time where it just suddenly straight to attention immediately. And for me, I believe that that's, when that becomes true within you, what you're saying and what your intention is and, and what it is that exists in you, then your message is heard. And for many of us, that's where we, I think we get lost is our inability to express ourselves authentically means expressing ourselves in a way that we are living, that it is just an extension or an amplification of what's already going on internally. So, you know, this is where I believe uh, the coaching industry and people teaching coaches have a lot to answer for because they teach people knowledge and knowledge is just past information. And it doesn't matter how great that knowledge is, if the individual teaching it or sharing it does not understand it or is simply repeating someone else's information, there will be no impact, there will be no benefit, and it will be any benefit that's there will be temporary. So as individuals, our voice and what we're sharing just becomes an opportunity to gain someone's attention. But if what we are saying is not also coming through us, we will not be heard. And this is where, you know, many people go, well, no one's listening to me. Why don't people listen to me? And the simple answer is, how often are you listening to yourself? And I don't mean just in general life. I mean in all aspects of your life. For me, we, we need to decide upon and, and even take the time to recognize what our authority is, what our truth is. And for me, I believe, and it's a, it's a, it's a core program that we teach, is becoming your authority. Because it's not something that we are. It's something we become in the learning and the understanding of our own self. So until you can recognize and honor the source of information that was in, with, within you, and, and that also comes to a point of being able to discern what voice, what murmurings, what frequency is actually that one that you're listening to. And until we can discern that, Many of us live a life of confusion and reaction and these temporary highs and, and, you know, temporary and maybe consistent lows because it, it kind of reminds me of, I think, an important point here is for many people in the world, they have an experience where they have a greater amount of misery or pain um, rather than prosperity and love and enjoyment. And for me... There's a key reason for this, and we do it each day, but we don't understand it to practice it and maintain a simplicity. It starts with being honest with ourselves. For most of us, we are caught up in such dishonesty and deceit within our own lives, the stories we tell ourselves. Now, what, what, when we have something that we love, like let's say you know a person that makes you laugh, that, that enlivens your life, Maybe someone you haven't seen for a long time shows up on your doorstep and says, Valeria, how are you? Like, I've just popped into town. I've got three days. And you think, well, I'm cancelling everything. Let's go and do everything. We're, we're going to go here. We're going to do this. And you become alive. And in that moment, you become present. You engage all parts of you in that moment. 
And when you do that, because there's a greater amount of information that's being received and coming through at any particular time, you have this feeling that everything goes fast. It's not fast. It's just the portal is opened up and you're welcome and embrace everything that's happening in that moment and your senses are alive. But what happens when something doesn't seem favorable to us, something that doesn't seem to support us? We avoid it. We ignore it. We don't embrace it. And what we have the experience of is because we keep ignoring the message that's coming to us, that's been presented to us, that we're presuming is problematic. That stays around for a long time because that information, like a, like a, let's say the length of a string, it needs to be absorbed. It needs to be taken in. And if we're present to that, we absorb that quickly. But when we don't, it sits around and stays with us for a significantly long time. And I'd say one of the greatest issues in guidance and getting people to understand something from a, a place of mentoring or, or, or directional guidance is the ability to be able to embrace what is unknown, what is dark, what, what, is, what is misunderstood, because this is what life is. There is nothing that exists in this world that is inspiring, that has come from something that already exists. It's when something is different, when something is unique, it's when something has not been created previously that we go, wow, that's amazing. That's when we become present to that moment. And that's what it is because it is different, because it's not the same um, as what we're doing each and every day, getting in our car, going somewhere, picking kids up, you know, doing work, whatever it may be. Because it's not the same, we then become aware, well, this is different. And we have a momentary choice at that particular time to say, does it support me or does it not support me? Does it serve me or not? And if we make that choice that it doesn't, we automatically start to paint that picture in front of us as a problem. It's not a problem. It's what we have chosen to see it as. And there's the challenge for each of us is to be able to develop within our own self an ability to be able to interpret information in a way that makes it relevant to us, which is then called, in my, my eyes, intelligence. Intelligence is information that we act upon in order to support our pathway and journey in life. And the thing is, most of us sit there in information and we can't make it relevant because we don't know what we want. We don't know what we are. We haven't taken the time to give ourselves attention to say, hey, this is what I want, rather than looking through a calendar, oh, I wouldn't mind that and that would be good, but what about this? And we've got so many you know, d diluted ideas about our life rather than when we start to master ourselves, we get to a point in our life where we have a singular focus, where it's, this is absolutely what I'm going to do. And we are prepared to, which is what is so important in getting past the mind. And if we look at that word mind, it's to mind something is to hold on to it. And that's what our mind is all about. When we remind ourselves, we're reattaching to something in the past because we're not engaged or inspired with what's going on right now. So as individuals, you know, the, the mind is a, is a great opposition. What it, what is confused with obviously, um, often is awareness. Awareness is something that happens in the moment and it's a fluent thing. It's something that's coming through us all the time. Our ability to be able to deal with the enormity of information that's coming to us and the opportunities available within that has nothing to do with what's presenting to us. It has to do with our foundations and our understanding of our own self to be able to deal with 
such a great volume of brilliance that's available to us at each and every moment of our own life. So I would say guidance. And the guidance we look at is not about theories, is not about here's a 10-step you know, process to get to this particular thing in your life and this is what you need to practice. It's about getting to a place where people can, whatever their pursuit is in life at this particular moment, is they first need to recognize and identify where their information is coming from. They, they need to come to understand not who they are, because this is just the, the, I mean, because we don't understand ourselves, we make up this picture of our life based upon the comparisons of the people around us, because our focus has always been taught to look outside ourselves, to listen to others, to, to have teachers to tell us what to do, to tell us what's right. This is the perspective of history. This is the way that you know, you do things right, and we've got to all come to an agreement. And this is a lot of the way that we're taught that to have an external agreement, rather than to be individual and independent and, and and be different. And this is where love, you know, it all comes from. It is our acceptance of difference, not our acceptance of the same. That that becomes boring. That becomes unfulfilling, and that's not life. That that leads to a, a state of ill health, of disease, because our focus is upon accepting other people's truth in a space where our truth, the vessel that we have, is made for. So we need to get to that particular point in our own lives where we understand what we are, not who we are, but what we are. And once we can start to not just answer that, because it's a big question, but we can start to approach that as an ongoing journey, we're going to learn from that the whole time. And if we can be humble enough to recognize we may, ever, may never not know the full answer to that, but we'll come to greater understandings in each moment, all we need to do is develop a way of processing information, whether that is in a more logical sense through business and, and having a family. But most importantly, everything in life, as I mentioned a little bit before, was about, is about the unknown. We, um, science speaks of that there's a visible spectrum of light, uh, of what we can see. And that is what, nearly one three thousandth of 1% of what is measurable. So not even 1%, it's that 1% divided into 3,000 parts. And we can see one of those. And the thing is, we think we know everything. We think we have the answers. What we don't develop is the ability to navigate the unknown because everything in life that is valuable, that is worthy, that's ever been created has come out of the unknown through imagination and intuition and the mastery of these noble senses. You know, we have the five senses which are just there to bring us to a moment of presence, to, to, to reassemble order in our life, to say, I'm going to retake back my life from a state of distraction and I'm going to focus on with my eyes what I'm choosing to focus with. I'm going to focus on what I want to listen to, not what I'm being bombarded by. I'm going to sense and feel and touch what it is that I want to be present to at this moment. And once I can establish that, it's only then that I can start to access, like a, excuse me, like a doorway, the infinite power of imagination and intuition. And, you know, th these, are, these are great concepts, but it's, it starts with a very simple process of what I would call personal governance. And this goes beyond personal development. I believe personal development is something that, 
you know, it's it was a good idea and it was a, a nice word, but you know, our focus as an as an industry and or an organisation is personal governance, and, and that is about that I am responsible for everything I'm feeling at this particular moment because the only person. There is no one else that's going to get up and live your life for you or do the things in exactly the way that you want at any moment of your life because these are the people that believe this live in a state of blame, that the government, that the the neighbour, that my boss at work, the the opportunities I have or don't have, marketers don't promise it. All of these things, we, we live a life of blame because we believe that someone else somehow is there to support me. We've never gone past or never been shown to go past that idea of being a child where we have guidance for a period of time in our life. We as individuals need to find within ourselves that only thing that can change my life is me. And that will never, ever change. This is an eternal truth. We all react and respond to the environment around us in our own way. And that is our choice. That is what we do in in the making of decisions of well, as a decision is, is to leave things behind. Decisions are not hard to make. I mean, it's sometimes difficult to step into space, into a new environment. I mean, that, that's in some parts the definition of fear. But what, what's difficult in making a decision is leaving stuff behind. Because for us to move from where we are now to where we are moving towards, we have to let go. And personal governance for me is not about developing on a piece of land that has not been surveyed. It's not about going in there and starting to build the construction without first understanding the land upon which I'm building. I mean, that, that would be crazy for someone to do that, to invest all that time and energy only for the thing to fall down and having to keep rebuilding it all the time and never questioning the very nature and the basis of what I am building upon. So personal governance comes to the point of understanding of not acquiring knowledge not accumulating information, not having, you know, interesting things to say that I learned in a book that I can regurgitate to someone else and sound intelligent. This is going deeper to a connection with what it is that exists inside us. I mean, not a soul, not a spirit, not any other religious or philosophical-based ideal of what that is. I'm talking about individuals being simply empowered and not confused to go past all this dogma. So, you know, it is, it is, it sounds nice. And, and, and probably if we were talking about the soul, we would have a, you know, an interesting and a, a lovely conversation, but it also allows us to accept things that we don't understand, that we don't know, that we just think colloquially is, is a, we kind of know what it means, but do we ever question these things? Do we allow ourselves to hear our own voice and our own interpretation of what life is and what it is that's within me? before actually asking and coming to those terms within my own self because I'm prepared to put attention upon myself rather than on the news, rather than on, you know, light entertainment or whatever is out there. But when I can do that, I believe and what I've experienced is initially that can be confronting for people, but the the result is, and what I always believe is, if there was one wish in my life, it's always to have more laughter. You know, everything else we can manage and deal with laughter is in the face of adversity, you know, in the face of when you're screaming, you want to you want to really do a number on yourself and you, you're not appreciative of who you are. And, you know, you have anger and fear and frustration rolling through you. Your ability to stop and actually laugh at yourself in that moment, that whole thing dissolves. You know, 
laughter, you know, it, it dissolves tragedy. And for many of us, we have become too conditioned to focus upon tragedy because other people are as well and it becomes a common conversation. And if we can blame other people, we can feel good about ourselves. And that is a temporary pharmaceutical drug-like mentality that we need these temporary fixes because we're not prepared to give ourselves attention. It's in the face of attention that everything is changed. Nothing is changed unless we give attention to it. So um, that, I mean, we'll cover it a little bit there, but that's, you know, the very nature of guidance must be about coming to understand and listen to yourself by creating a structure within which to do that. And that's a, that's a space for, for people that, you know, whether it's in sports, whether it's in um all different forms of business or parenting or, you know, sexually and in all these aspects of life. When, when we understand the structure within which we live, we have flow. We have strength, like, like the river. The river without structure is just a puddle. You know, it's the strength of the structure in the, around that river that causes that to be able to flow powerfully. And the greater the structure in the banks of that river the more water it can handle, the less it floods, the more purposeful and directed it is. And, you know, it's a shame in our life that sometimes when people are successful, how often it is that people want to tear them down rather than in the process of, you know, if we were, um, you know, had a, a long-term friendship relationship and, and you started to succeed more than what I was, there's a tendency in people to feel like they're being left behind. And they start to draw upon and grab it at the ankles of that person, you know, to not go forward. And the sad thing is too often people stop and turn around and do that and go back to misery, go back to fear, go back to blame because they don't want to leave someone behind. But, you know, the very truth and, and inspired from nature around us is everything is looking for an example. So if the example is that when you have something that you love and that you are inspired by, that you go back and you become these, you know, colloquial words, which are so often misunderstood, which being kind, being nice, being compassionate is about going back and supporting someone in pain. That, that, is, that is the very destruction of inspiration. Our ability and courage that's required at that particular time to move forward, even when we're not being supported, when we're being judged, that is the very nature of the building of our own fabric. You know, it's a, it's a bit more to it than just that. But for most of us, when we are having, you know, momentum and prosperity in our life, which has taken so much to, to, to occur because of the things around us, because of the beliefs that we may have taken on and having to confront to actually, like yourself, just to get on and create this podcast and your business. It didn't just happen by nothing. There was things I imagine that made you really question who you were in order of your own self-worth and capability and can I do this? Were people going to believe me? What are they going to think of me? Who am I to do this? You know, business and, and all these things are such a noble pursuit, but it comes down to our ability to understand that we are here as an example, not as, and, and it's through that example that we start to create our own life rather than living someone else's. Yeah, as I mentioned um, off record, you are very unique <laughs> in your approach to um, to life itself. Yeah, it's refreshing. 
So I have a question for you that came to mind. How and when did you come to realize what you are? I haven't uh, by any stretch just yet, but, um, (laughs) you know, my bubble got popped pretty early that, you know, that life just wasn't going to happen for me. And what I saw in the movies wasn't going to happen to me. And if I wished long enough, I would have what I wanted. You know, there's, there's extreme power that we have in manifestation and everything that exists around us is because of manifestation, you know, from a, from a brick that builds a house to technology, to love, to, you know, greater depths of information that's available to us. You know, that, that, that is all there from our ability to manifest from something into nothing. You know, things that come through the imagination that come into form. It's, um, it's, look, for me, coming to understand what you are, it's a decision, a pathway that you follow, like that journey that any of us are on in a, in a, in a traveling and in a more, you know, um, tangible sense. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, we don't know how we're going to get there. And we don't know when we get there what's going to happen and who we're going to meet. And it's our ability in the richness of life is to be present. So, you know, this, this is one of the illusions I think that was smashed for me very early is that there is no, no one I'm supposed to be. It's always who I'm becoming. And my ability in life, and the currency of all life is determined by people's attention. It's, it's, um, it's everything. It's um, a relationship without attention. You know, isn't a relationship. Anything like life, there's nothing in your life that exists that if you did not give it attention to that would be maintained. That is the very definition of a conscious and possibly unconscious choice you're making that you don't want that to be a part of your life. So... To, to find out what you are, I mean, for me, it starts with a very simple process. It's letting go of who you are. And letting go of who you are is about releasing the ideas of what you assume people think about you as to determine who you are. I mean, we, we can, people talk of these uh, infinite capacities that they have. And some people look at that and laugh and go, well, that's crazy. You know, like, you know, let's get grounded, let's be real and, you know, get out, of, get out of fairyland. But the truth is that in our own life, when we, make it, when we have an inspiration or an idea that comes to us, we must just consider at that particular moment how precise our awareness is on all the impacts that that's going to have upon all the people around us and how that will happen and what it will look like, which causes us to not move forward. We use these great capacities we have in order to hold ourselves back. And the, and the very thing is that when we start to, I mean, the, the common thing for most of us is to say, you know, I just want to be there for them. I want to help them. I want to, I want to help other people. But the real truth is to look to our own self and, and ask some serious questions. Do I really know what I want? Um, do I really understand what I am? Do I have an insight or an, or an understanding of how to do that consistently and regularly? And when the, the answer for 99% of people is no, I don't, if they're humble and if they're honest with that. And that's, that, that's what's important. And in that particular space, I then are going to continue to avoid myself 
in order to fix other people's problems because that's much easier because they can tell me what's wrong. But ultimately, what what is really wrong when we get down to that at a, a real level of depth is they don't know what's wrong, but, but nothing's wrong. The, the, the fact is that within each of us, we struggle with the ability to be honest. We often live in relationships where we need people, but we cannot tell them what it is that we feel. I mean, look, for all of us, we're, we're quite freaky in, in our own way. There's things that everyone has that they don't want to share with other people because they have shame and guilt around it. And that's the imprisonment that they're living. Because I am free in my life because I have the ability to tell people what I did. If I did something that's taboo, that, that, is, that is not accepted out there in the world, and I express that and I say that, I'm free. But when I am not able to express myself, which is going back to the simplicity, letting go, when I express, I'm releasing. And this is, you know, probably a common misconception is that people, when they release something, most of us are not perfectly aligned, completely balanced, always at ease. We have moments and probably considerable moments of imbalance, instability. And they're, they're normal. This is like the, the kettle boiling. It has to release that energy. And when we don't allow ourselves to do that, when we don't have relationships with our family, with our friends, with our partners, where we cannot share the very thoughts that are going through our own head, they will stay with us and they will become toxic. I'd suggest in most marriages, people naturally, men and women, have multiple thoughts often, no matter how loyal they are to their partner, of an attraction that they have to someone else, an intrigue or an interest that comes up or someone that takes their, their attention. That is natural and normal. But the thing is, when that is suppressed, it only grows. And when an individual doesn't have the capacity to express that or be themselves and, and say things that may be controversial, like to imagine in a relationship being able to go to your partner and going, wow, I'm, I'm really feeling something about this person over here. Um, and, you know, I, I feel I really need to get to know them. And imagine the partner going, okay, I understand that. Because they trust themselves and they trust that individual. That, that's a pretty unique space. But most people, what they do is they hold that back. They internalize it. They don't say it because it would be wrong. And then they have shame and guilt. And then ultimately they either, some of them, they have to express that. It has to come out. And because this thing's built up so much inside of them, this loving person out of character, we say, I never thought anyone, he would be the last person I would have thought. She would be the last person I would have thought that would have done that. We've all done it in our own way. But they go out and they destroy that very foundation and that great relationship they have because they've been unable to express themselves. And this is a great misunderstanding in people because we're so ready to judge everyone because we're judging ourselves. And, you know, I would say, in, you know, we, we have a program called The Connection and, and the very nature of that is learning to communicate at depth and recognising when you have a, a sacred moment with someone else that is empowerment. That is truth. That is honesty. Not getting caught up in the stories of living this plastic synthetic life of look at me, what I'm doing, how healthy I am, how brilliant I am, my great family, rather than recognizing, yes, all of that is possible. All of that exists all of the time, but only to the degree that I'm allowing myself to release the things inside of me 
that are unexpressed. And I would say, you know, but I understand to be a little bit deeper than this, but disease, illness, these are things that are made up. These are things that are made up for our inability to be able to express ourselves authentically. And when we can do that, not just, I mean, in a moment of clarity, I mean, as a habit, we don't have health problems. We don't have mental illness. We get past this, you know, very basic level of operation of being reactive to our emotions. You see, emotions are, you know, an interesting space. And, you know, psychology sort of, I believe, has got it very much confused in different aspects and um, perspectives upon it. Emotions become us and we become the emotion when we are separated from ourselves. When we are truly connected to ourselves, we feel all those emotions at once. And often what that relates to and shows in someone else is a level of calmness in the storm. But when someone is unable to control themselves and their emotions and they're reactive to it, it's because they don't understand, firstly, the approach to themselves, what they are, and the relationship that they have. Because if they're comfortable in that space, they don't react. But when we're uncomfortable, we become fear. We stop being John the person or, or the what I am. We become I am anger, and that's all I'm represented is anger. I, I'm no longer a person. I'm an expression that's being repressed. I am you know, and it happens the other side too, Larry, like love or lust or infatuation. You know, that's not very much welcomed when it is imbalanced, when it is not true and authentic. When, when, when I can't love myself and I come to want to love you, and I, that's called, in some cases, stalking. That's called smothering. You know, in a relationship, if we're not loving ourselves and the love that's coming to us is not from someone who loves themselves, it doesn't feel right. It feels uncomfortable. But, you know, we, we need to develop sacred spaces, which I, um, you know, I took this upon myself at a young age of my son. We, we had a good half an hour drive to school every morning and back. And um, we would sit and we would talk to each other what, what we love about each other, what we don't understand about each other and what we would, um, what, what we're hoping to, change or move forward in our life. And it sounds a lot for a five-year-old kid, but I mean, the way that he would approach it would be very different to me. But I wouldn't speak to him as if he was a five-year-old kid. I'd speak to him as if I was speaking to another adult. And his comfort and expression and ability to be by himself, you know, but interact with others without emotion, you know, I think it's quite amazing. But this is something where We've got to get past this medicated idea of life where someone else has got the answers for us, got the solutions for us. Uh, we've got to get past, you know, the, look, food is a great thing, but, but it's not an answer to health. It, it, it can help, but the, the, it's, we become healthy by the food we eat because we become more present to ourselves. It's not the food itself. When we become wanting to improve, we start to research, we start to look into, we start to discover different things about our own life. And because of that, we want to think, I'm going to try this, I'm going to do that. And we're prepared to do something called change. So we, we do that and we become enlivened by it. But, and then we ultimately change again and we vary and, and adopt different aspects of our life. But it's not food. food. Food has nutrients for sure. But it does not bring happiness. It does not bring wholeness. It does not bring fulfillment. It is a ceremony 
that for most of us, we're overindulging and, and eating, you know, two, three, four meals a day, whatever it may be, where we as individuals can sustain ourselves on something that is far more important than that, which is our relationship to ourselves in a space of honesty and, and the ability to be able to govern that. And when we want to take responsibility rather than giving it to others, like expecting the government's going to support me, expecting my parents are going to support me or my partner or other people, I'm going to be founding myself consistently dissatisfied. So I learned that earlier on in life that I, I, I complained a lot. I asked a lot of questions, but I realized the only thing that could change that is me. So what, what, and I believe in, in a divine way that that's what caused me to, you know, about 12, 13 years ago in my life to move away from business and, and logical based process type coaching into seeing and understanding the patterns that I always saw but couldn't quite quantify. And in a moment, a whole teaching and process came through me that I initially dismissed as being too simple being a little bit crazy. And, you know, it was that particular moment of bringing attention to myself and being able to love myself and listen for long enough that allowed me to be doing what I'm blessed to be doing now and seeing people around me, you know, taking a, a, a path in their life that they're choosing, not that someone else has chosen for them. And, um, you know, we talked about personal governance before, but you know, the big thing for me in, in that personal governance and the real aspect of it is because it leads to sovereignty. But before we get to sovereignty, we have to have a level of independence and our ability to act of our own accord, of our own choosing, and, and to complete what we started. Now, it's that particular, you know, capacity, which our focus is, you know, I, I don't want to work with people for a long period of time. And the very nature of that, you know, a year to two years maximum on a private level. But, you know, in other areas, we don't want to hold people back. We have communities, but the very nature of that is for them and the celebration of them going off into the world. We don't, we don't need a community that people staying with us because of, you know, what we offer. We want them to now go, oh, great, you've learned that. Now go and live your life. You know, and I, and I think that's a, you know, it's a challenge with, Many of us that have been in a, in a public space or start to offer services to others, we want to keep a following but in the way that social media has dictated our life. We, the, these ideas of how many likes I'm getting or how much attention I'm getting online, you know, it it's quite, becomes quite a disease and, and it's addictive. But, you know, to let go of that and to be able to find in our own self, to speak our truth, to, to speak what is important to us, and to be present, um, I think are key aspects to, to living a life where you can deal with falling over a lot of times in life but still smiling when you get back up. Mm, yeah. Um, wow. I, um, I love your clarity. I have to ask a question instead of making a comment. I usually ask a question to all of my guests, maybe not all of them, but most of them, if they believe in unconditional self-love. And a lot of times I get this answer that it's a very challenging thing to do, but, you know, everybody, pretty much everyone loves the idea. And 
But some of them, they talk to me about unconditional love in a way that implies narcissism and selfishness. So I'm wondering what is your take on unconditional self-love? Yeah, um, I think labels have a lot to answer for. And I think people have a lot to answer for in buying into labels and being lazy and generalizing people into a statement of, let's say, narcissism or, or selfishness. I mean, it's ironic. Selfish to me is expecting someone else to live the way you want them to live. We've confused being selfish with putting time into ourselves. I think the most loving thing and the most challenging thing for anyone to do, especially in the in the face of being called selfish, because it's a very developed person and a very at ease and peaceful person that is able to be called selfish and not react to it. It is a word that most people will, you know, will be moving on in their life and called selfish and they'll turn around and they'll react to that because there's such a shame and guilt that you're not part of the crew, you're not part of the group, you are letting us down. You're so self-absorbed. You know, what an amazing thing to do. I remember my, my son seems to be making a bit of an appearance here, but my son, when he was uh, three years old, he, he, he hardly spoke. And, um, but he, he used to it. We had a, a school that he was at um, and they came to us and said, we're a bit concerned that he doesn't speak that much. And um said, well, you know, and the problem we've got is that he sits a lot by himself and he just gets very deep into his own space. I said, well, I'm still not hearing a problem here. You know, what's, I oh, know he needs to interact, he needs to be doing this, he needs to have all this, but that's maybe not him. Anyway, if you met him now, he doesn't shut up. He, he doesn't, doesn't take a breath when he's speaking and He's got stories and it, and it kind of nearly one day just turned on and, and he was ready to speak. It was like his own choice. But, you know, I, I think for each of us, our ability to be in our own attention is the solution to everything. Our understanding on how to do that is very different. And love and unconditional self-love uh, I mean, it's it's a it's a very the word unconditional uh, I, is probably the challenge that exists for me within that <clears throat> is unconditional is taking into account that no matter what happens or no matter what the situation or circumstances, this is what I'll do. I think we put a significant amount of pressure upon ourselves in doing that, and in this lifetime, I don't believe we'll approach that. I don't believe we're meant to approach that. I believe we're going through a process of coming into a state of integration where we are coming to actualize and realize that everything around us exists to support us, that there's nothing there that's out to get us. Well, when we can let go of that, that's a, that's a good start. And when we do that, we will stop labeling people as narcissists, as selfish, as you know, self-absorbed or as radical or whatever it may be, but we'll see them and allow them to be as they are. And the only way we can do that is when we are brave enough through our own attention to accept our own differences, weirdnesses, our, our freaky behavior, our, our fetishes that, that we hold onto, that we hide rather than share. You know, these particular things in our life, it's, um, look, I, I've got no doubt everyone's a narcissist in their own way, in their own form. And generally the people that are projecting onto other people that they're a narcissist or that they're selfish are, are guilty of that themselves. 
because they're now you telling me that I'm a narcissist. You're expecting me to live in a way that you believe is right. And we, it's the fabric of life and that weave of life that comes from the difference in people. You know, when everyone gets together and they're themselves, they're the magic moments where everyone was there. But when people are sort of sitting back and not being involved and disengaged in whatever way, there's no vibrance to life. So we, we create that. So self-love to me comes solely from our ability to place attention upon ourselves. It's not just a matter of, okay, well, I'm going to look at myself and speak to myself and listen. There's a whole process because I could, years ago we used to do this thing where we'd get people to sit for them with themselves for 15 minutes a day just focusing upon themselves. And, and there was a certain process a bit beyond, med- you know, the standard ideals of meditation. But it was amazing what people realize when they do that is when you take attention off your reactive environment around you, is those things that you have unconsciously but routinely, because your life around you, it might not have a step-by-step set of instructions for each day, but it is highly organized. It's just that you're not aware of the organization. The habits you have, they're, they're specific and precise. And this is something that when we go to change our life, we don't realize or take it into, into account. And it's why we have challenges changing things because we're not aware of the current routine we have. So, you know, when it comes to, you know, this particular space of organizing our own self, we need to take ourselves away from those made and mind-made distractions. And now we've got something that's of greater importance. We need to focus on that. There is a challenge that most of us stop at unconsciously. And when we start to place attention on new things, the old things start to come and interrupt us. A phone call, an emergency, uh, a problem, uh, suddenly the, the bathroom needs cleaning. Suddenly there's these worries and things that we suddenly distract ourselves with away from attending to ourselves. And I've, I'm still not to this day have I seen with people that we've worked with where attention has not cured any illness that has been described by man in a medical or a scientific capacity. There is, and, and I, I know this in my, from my own experience, is that some people, we've got to remember, if someone's sick, Consciously or unconsciously, they've chosen to be there. So there's some service that's there for them to, to either bring an awakening or an understanding to themselves beyond the back pain, beyond the insomnia, beyond the IBT or uh, syndromes that they're, they're experiencing or feeling or, you know, terminal illnesses. They are there because it's a choice that they have made to either avoid, deny or remove themselves from things in their life that are, that are truly, you know, the truth that are true to them. And, and it sometimes comes down to a lack of expression, but it's these particular things that when we place attention upon our life, that we find truth. And it's our ability and accountability then to act upon that, which is the very nature of all life and experience. If we don't, information has become confused as an accumulation as like a bookcase we carry around in our life, rather than the sole purpose of information is to be expressed, is to move into an action. 
And it's the it's where we get that information from and how we action it that is important in our life. When, when we can get it from a pure source within our own selves that can be reflected from all around us and, and referred to us through other teachers and books and whatever it may be, but it's our ability to be able to discern that and then in an integrated state where our physical and energetic states are working together as one, where we feel, you know, at times in a more generalised way or terminology or practical way might be something called confidence, certainty. You know, this, you know, in a more spiritual or term is, you know, the, the states of, of integration and oneness and singularity. We, um, we, we, these are the things in our own life that this information is coming in order for us to expose and, ex, and, and act upon in our own life to find a truth. And that truth that we have, no one else has. We are the most precious and rarest commodity that exists in this existence. We're, we're, we're one in 7.8 billion, whatever it is at the moment. We need to understand that. And <clears throat> to, to answer the question about unconditional self-love, I would say it in this way, particular way that love to me is attention without reason. And that's when we project that onto others is that we're giving them attention without the expectation of anything in return. And the only way we can do that is when we're fulfilled within our own selves, that we're giving something that we already have and we already can recreate. And these are just simple steps that we can do each and every day. And if we do that, self-love doesn't become a focus. And, and, and I think it's you know often promoted and it's a buzzword at times. We, we shouldn't be focusing on self-love. This should just be a normal part of life. We shouldn't be focusing on health. This is just a normal part of life. We've become so detached and confused that we're now talking about the things and deconstructing the very basic elements of what we are in order to confuse them, to distract ourselves from actually living our life and moving out into the space around us that is, you know, uncharted, infinitely available to us. Whether we want to, you know, run the greatest sporting team in the world, whether we want to align all those players, whether we want to have a, a, a group of people discovering what consciousness is, or whether we want to, you know, simply work with children, whatever it may be, the same things and the same principles apply. It's just how we go about so uniquely exploring them. Yes, wow. I'm wondering here if this is more challenging for men than women to get to know what we are, as you say. And um... I can only probably speak for one side of the coin, but, you know... <laughs> I don't believe anything's more challenging for a person defined by sex or any other sort of delineation that we have. I believe, you know, if people believe that, well, that will be their experience. You know, there's, um, there's, let, let's look back in life. We define ourselves by a lot of what happened in our childhood because we've chosen to not understand it. But isn't it interesting that when life is great, when we are full of self-belief in this particular moment, that time that my father did that to me and it, and, it, and it was traumatic, that was the greatest thing that occurred because it allowed me to have the strength to be here right now and I now see things in that particular way. And it's amazing that when I decide to be present and accepting of myself at this particular time and bring attention to myself, that suddenly all of those traumas in my life, they're, they're not talked about, they're not discussed, they're not 
a topic of conversation. They are the very building blocks of my life that I am so proud of. But speak to me two or three weeks later when my life feels like it's about to end and I am facing all sorts of challenges in my life. It's because of what my father did to me. I can't believe, you know, when they were just, and the story comes out. And we forget where we were previously. It's that to look back into our past for answers is the avoidance of what's happening in this particular moment right now. So, you know, we, we um, I in the past have been part of, you know, men's groups. And I found them in the end, you know, it, it didn't, I got bored, to be honest. I didn't find them challenging because the thing is the nature of life is the fabric of difference that's there. So I would say it's, it's more challenging at times because of the preconceived ideas that people have about how they speak to a man and how they speak to a woman. I mean, who's really taught that? And from what particular place? And if we come from a greater state of compassion, we realize people, and including myself, and I mean the collective myself of all of us, <clears throat> we're clumsy. We're going to make mistakes in other people's eyes. But if we didn't have anything to compare it to, it would be, it would be perfect. We wouldn't know anything was wrong. You know, this is, we want companionship, but then we have to realize that companionship comes with comparison at times. And that's only if we focus on that. We, we've, we've got to be at times accountable, not just for ourselves, but for our partners and those that love us and those around us that aspire to us or that we influence in whatever way is for me to really love someone, you know, as a man or a woman, whatever it may be, am I really loving them when they are being dishonest and with, with themselves and speaking things that are untrue? Am I in allowing them to be degenerative to, towards themselves? Am I really loving them in that particular space? When someone is unhappy with themselves and they choose to drop that at my feet and spew it all over me as if it's my problem, am I being honest by consoling them? Am I being loving by consoling them? Or in the listening, yes, I think that's a great thing. But to be able to speak openly and honestly to someone says that you believe in them. You know, like when I don't, when I hold something back in front of the face of someone because I'm scared they're going to react to me, well, who will ever have the courage to step into that person's space with true love and say to them, hey, this can't continue. Are you aware of, are you happy with this particular part? Because let me explain to you what I'm experiencing. You know, this is where I remember, you know, at work you get asked those questions when I remember very early in my life, for, you know, I think it was an interview question. If someone that you were sharing space with had, you know, um, very intolerable body odor, A, would you tell them? Would you say nothing or whatever it may be? And um, to me, I would tell them because as uncomfortable as it is, like the, the piece of food in the tooth, I, I want to know, you know, rather than not. Like if I didn't realize that I was an asshole all my life or I was a narcissist or I was you know, whatever other label. And I was wondering why I was challenged so much in my life, but no one ever brought that to my attention because I was so focused on just trying to live my life. I could never change it. So I, um, I really feel that, like going back to that question, I suppose, a man and a woman thing, it, it's a union um, that we have in each and every way. And the sad thing I think that happens between men and women is, 
the, the jealousy and the unresolved issues that partners have in their own life and the tolerance that people have for it. I don't have tolerance in my life. I have understanding and I will listen to someone and I'll hold space in a very deep way. But I don't have tolerance for jealousy. I don't have tolerance for those types of activities in my life and I don't buy into them. If anything, I will, you know, vehemently push them away because it's I am not here to buy into and have my life limited with all of the time and energy that I bring to myself and the challenges I've gone through to have someone else do it to me. I'll be compassionate and have time to say, well, look, maybe that's not the case. But the second and third time, that's not a part of my space. And to continue to keep tolerating that is acknowledging it as an okay behavior. And I think that's where most of us have held our tongues. We've allowed that type of toxic behavior to become a part of our lives because we want to be nice, because we we don't want to rock the boat. Look, it's, it's easier to just do it this particular way. I mean, th- this could lead to in, you know, in the silent majority, we could be leading down a path in this particular world at a time where we suddenly become controlled by maybe a deceitful minority, depending upon which side of the, the fence you stand on. So we, we as individuals have a capacity and a responsibility to expand the very fullness of what we are, impose ourselves upon our environment in a way that is true, that is loving, that is that, that is real. You know, beyond the fear of whether I will be accepted because I don't still accept myself in the fullness because I don't understand myself. But I'm coming to do that and I can laugh at myself. And I think, you know, for each, for, for us, if there's anything I could say within teaching, yes, within each of us as, as a man that there's, there's feminine, femininity and within a woman vice versa. But I don't use those words and I don't identify with those words because it, to me it creates a whole other level of separation. There is just expressions and our ability to then, you know, dumb that down to such a degree that that's a feminine thing and that's a, a masculine thing, it, it, it's a level of awareness. And, and we don't need to, I don't believe in, in learning, we, we need to go through some sort of step-by-step progression. Why not just start with the truth? The thing is, when the truth is presented, people will meet it where they are. For us to be so patronising as to say people need to go through these steps in order to get to a particular place is ignorant. For me, I believe that there's a capacity that can be awoken in people by simply going through and being confronted with the truth. I had a client many years ago that said, you know, I'd love my my partner to um to to do this and be a part because it'd really have an amazing impact on their life and their, you know, what they do. And and I said, well, but what I'm going to do first of all is I'm going to do these particular things because they've never done this type of work. And I said, well, what do you mean this type of work? And they said, well, this is, you know, it's deep, it's advanced, you know, it takes you to, it gives you everything. And I said, well, why, why would you take them down a path that you know doesn't give them everything? And then what, what are you building them up for? What, what do you, what, what's the issue here? Like, why not just start with the truth? Why not start at a point where you are able to see the fullness of yourself and then move through? It's kind of like being in a relationship with someone that you don't, you hold back, you don't say what the truth is, and then maybe five, ten years later, you've lived this life where you're unfulfilled and dissatisfied because you've become aware of what you could have found out in the first couple of weeks. You know, to, to be upfront and to be present within our own selves, and we can get past that muck 
then we can start to create from the nothingness. Then we can start to do things that we've never done before. But when we tiptoe around our own life, we continue to keep dealing with the administrative, boring, day-to-day things of life rather than getting down to a place of let's just get clear on all that and let's, okay, this is where I'm at. And in a relationship, I don't know how long I'll be with you. I don't know if tomorrow I'm going to wake up and feel a particular way. I saw an interview with Sting who, you know, was married and with kids at the time and his current wife that he's met now, he, he said, there's something you can't deny that when you, when you have that feeling and that sense within you that comes to you, you, you cannot deny that. And it's a deep place. But, you know, he talks about how, you know, it took a long time, but he knew at that particular moment. And he was then confronted by having to actually resolve because he was true with himself to resolve that, to actually speak it, to, to explore it. And, you know, ultimately life has now worked out. And he's, you know, all parties supposedly, I'm not completely sure on that, but the thing is we are responsible for how we feel, how we experience life, not how other people do. And we, at times, that can go against, you know, different philosophies in life. But we must be attaining towards our own fulfilment. And the key is our own fulfilment. And when we are able to maintain and establish our own fulfillment and maintains a key word here, not just have it randomly, but our ability to maintain and repeat that through an understanding that we create within ourselves through whatever learning we can go through. That is when we can start to not be a burden upon the people around us, to not be a burden upon our environment, but to live in a balanced and cohesive way where we are not dependent, but we are independent. But then that's when we become a true community. Too, too, too often, you know, out there in the world today, there's people that want to create communities with people that are currently unstable and expecting to go into community because they all have a, they want to fight a particular cause and it creates anger, it creates aggression, it creates destabilization. But we cannot come together, you know, in a, an eternal and in a healthy and a growing way until we've at least approached a level of independence or are consistently and prepared to take responsibility for our own feelings rather than expecting other people to deal with our outbursts in our own life and our inability to be you know, unapologetic about the things that we don't understand about ourselves. I mean, humility, such an important thing, you know, to, to, to start with the fact of, I don't know. So true, Jason. Um, I um, I agree with everything you say. Everything is just undeniable. It is the truth. Everything that I have understood about life at this moment, it's all about understanding ourselves and that commitment and not trying to impose that on others, um, which is really a challenge in the relationship when you want to the, your partner to change and commit to this uh, inner work. But it's not something that we can impose. Or we're almost at the end of the interview, and I have. I think I wanted to ask you two more questions. One of which I have already asked. We talked before the interview that didn't go live. I think I asked both of them, but I wanted to hear again from you. What is to be free? Um, this might be an oversimplified answer, and maybe I won't stop at the first bit. But <laughs> the. Um, is expression, you know, like it is 
it's so true that the stuff that we hold onto in our lives that we feel that we don't have the space to express it because we won't be understood, we won't be accepted. You know, we, we all do it. It doesn't matter how amazingly we have cultivated, you know, a space in our own life. There are things that we feel ashamed or guilty of as we go deeper into our own life, things that we've hidden away. So freedom is the ability to express myself without being restricted by how it will be received. So, you know, expression is not just the words coming out of my mouth. It's my body language. It's the way I present myself to life. It's the actions I take. You know, like to to dance when you want to. I mean, that, that's a, a great form of expression to, you know, artistically to do things that may be controversial, to, to do things because they are true to you, that they don't need to be accepted by anyone else. My, my freedom exists in my ability to be me and my ability to be me is to allow myself to not be thinking, organising, I don't even believe in setting goals. I think setting goals is one of the, you know, one of the things that really holds so much potential back in, in life. You know, they're, they're great. It's better than doing nothing, I suppose. But, you know, the very nature of freedom is demonstrated in my ability to express myself to others. You know, honestly, um, we, 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 we deceive ourselves so much. We, we, we undersell ourselves so much. We, we buy into, through laziness, you know, especially these days, there's so much information that's available to us that we think we have to have an opinion on everything. And I was saying before, a great freedom, and I mean, I challenge everyone to do this and just start to practice it in day-to-day life when you are not absolutely certain. And what I mean by certain is your ability to be able to influence someone in the way that you would intend to so that they would understand what you're saying. If you can't speak to that particular degree on a topic when someone asks you an opinion, it's best to say, I don't know. Because the very nature of that will cause that person to find a truth, you know, and to to develop that. But the thing is within each of us, when we start to lie and when we start to colour our life in a way when we're meant to be sharing real attention, I mean, real information with someone who wants to understand. We then become, you know, under pressure. So look at it in your life when someone actually comes and say, and asks you something, if you were just to say, well, you know what? I don't know. And this might be as a mother, you know, asking, well, how do you do these things? And it should be something, should be something you know as a mother to do. But to be able to say, I don't know. But I suppose the more I look at it now, I, and, and you watch what happens. When, when people just say, I don't know, the first thing that they do is they release all this bravado and this, and this mask that they're wearing of knowing everything. And then what happens is suddenly they start to see things in a different way and they start because they take the pressure off of needing to be right. And that is, you know, you know it's a very much a, a um, condition of the ego and this identity that we've created in the absence of our own attention. It's that, you know, we are so caught up in being right rather than being true. And our freedom comes in our ability to be true to ourselves. It comes in releasing blame. I mean, there's so many people caught in the prison of blame that um, what someone did to me, um, we let go of that. 
we start to accept ourselves as we are and we find our true starting point. We start to express ourselves. I've never, I've never seen anyone who's allowed themselves to express themselves. But here's a challenge, though, I suppose, with it, Valeria, to understand is that when we start to express ourselves, what occurs is it brings up, you know, the other muck that's been sitting, you know, it's kind of like the, the, the clear pond that is crystal clear, but you step into it and it's all muddy at the bottom and it, and it clouds all up. When you, when you move that mud around in your own self and you decide to let it go, it, it doesn't just suddenly become, you know, a, 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 what a wonderful world. Well, what you start to become aware of is it's like a string and you just keep, like the magician pulling a handkerchief, it just keeps coming, you know, for a period of time because you now become empowered to release the toxicity that's been within you. And it's in the releasing and letting go of that that we find freedom. And freedom, you know, it's it's not a space around us. It's a space within us. And I would say one other thing just into this, that there's a, there's a great irony in, in the divine design of what we're all about is that the thing that we seek in our life is space. You know, like at times we, we want compassion and we want companionship, but ultimately when we're filled, we, we, we want space at times just to, to be ourselves, to express, because we just need to get away. You know, this is sort of what the idea of a holiday is. But the very irony of space is also the definition of fear. They're both unknown. And we only fear the things that we don't understand. If you understand a shark or a snake or any of these particular things, their movements, their behaviours and everything else, there isn't a fear. There's an understanding. Space that we seek in order to grow and expand is also the very thing that we have created a fear around. So we, we can feed whatever wolf we like in this particular scenario, but we've got to understand that the things that are most important to us, like freedom, I've had many people I've come you know, to work with that have said <clears throat> they get freedom and they realise that they're avoiding freedom because they didn't know what they were going to do with it and it was easier and safer to stay where they were. So, you know, the big thing in if people want freedom is I ask them, well, what would you do with it if you had it? Can you define that? Are you clear on it? Because if you're not, you're going to stay where you are. And it's the same when people say, oh, if I just had $100,000, if I just had a million dollars, I'd be happy. You know, well, if you did get it, what would you do with it? Because if you don't have a purpose for it, it is, it's energy. And if you don't have a purpose for that, it'll stay where it has its highest purpose. If you can create a purpose that is so refined and defined and you're inspired by, people will give you that money. But if you don't have that coming through you authentically, well, people are going to question you because you're not clear on what it is that you're sharing. So freedom comes to me in expression and the, the listening to that expression and the expanding of that and the sharing of expression in such a way that I can speak my truth without needing it to be accepted by others. Boy, I love that. Yeah, this idea of being right rather than being truthful. And I love what you said. Freedom is a space, is a space within us. It's not out there. And my last question is about, I already asked you before, not sure if you remember, if you knew you would lose the body soon, would you change anything or do anything differently in your life? No, absolutely not. Yeah, I had a question that was posed to me yesterday um, as a part of, a, of something I joined, which was if I had one wish, 
what would it be? And, you know, I thought it was, I got it and I thought, and I went to start writing and I had no, I was like, well, I don't know. Like, cause if I, if I wish for that, well, that's already there. And it may, the interesting thing about a wish for me made me realize what I already have and, and seeing where that, well, if I wish that, and this, and I took this question seriously, but I already have that there. Like, if, and then I would change it. There's nothing that, um, you know, I, I sort of over time have come to understand that my body, you know, again, it's not a separation from me. It's, I, um, I don't have a fear of death. Um, and I, I used to probably look at, well, the, the things I might miss out on, but then I was realizing that I was missing out on them rather than actually doing them and being them at this particular point in time. So there's, I, I know there's, you know, that there's some great things that, that may change, but, or great arts that come here. But the truth is, I feel I'm doing that as much as I can in each moment, even when I am challenged and, you know, in my own time caught up in my own stagnance and, and like caught in a fetal position, just thinking, what am I going to do? How am I going to deal with this? Because it also makes me realize of the things I'm approaching, the, the challenges that I'm going through. I used to be very much caught up in trying to satisfy others, you know, trying to do what was right in their eyes or create the biggest and the best thing. Whereas now, you know, that's, that's not a part so much of my, my own life. It's, um, I feel very at peace to say that I'm, that I'm happy with who I am. You know, I'm, I, I really sometimes consider whether I have Alzheimer's or, or some type of mental condition because I, I, I don't remember things in the past and I, and I don't get caught up in things in the future. It's, it's interesting to, even when I'm, you know, in my own state of, you know, deep reflection or meditation, whatever you'd like to call it, is I don't get caught up in the future. I get aware of the presence of now and everything that already exists. And I know that can sound very just um, typical, but it, it's, I find it difficult to put my attention upon those things going forward. I feel compassionate to to, to those that do. And, and if that works for you, great. But um I think we're changing in every particular moment. So uh, I, w I wouldn't want to interrupt that. And I believe that's, you know, a big part of our, our lives that, that we don't interrupt, but we understand what it is that we're experiencing. Yeah, I love your answer pretty fast and clear. No, no chains. Yeah, that's uh, that sounds very good to me. Now that you're trying to be nice, <laughs> now that you're trying to hear that. Um, there's another question that I can't help but ask you. What do you think is the opposite of life? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Yeah. It's something that I suppose I'm... I'm not present to it at this particular point in time. It, it, I mean, I could come up with a theory, uh, but this would be where I'd say, I don't know. I don't know what the opposite of life is. Um, I wouldn't say it's death by any means. Um, I, I believe that we, you know, stagnancy in our own life and, and our, 
our um, inability to have movement into areas of our life is not life. But I don't know if you'd say that that's the opposite of it. Um, you know, it's really probably feeling into it. And look, I love questions and, and I love sort of these types of questions, but I haven't actually asked this one or even explored it before in myself. But I feel it's, a, it's, it's an individual's determination of what they currently see life as. And it's from there that that may be defined. But um, I see life as my ability to allow my truth to flow through me. And, and I suppose the opposite of life in that particular term would be living a life that other people want me to live. But there's there's so many different angles to that. I mean, I I feel that the we have this idea called the ego, and where we mentioned a little bit before about imagination and intuition. That the, the ego is a very is a is a has become a part of us through our own misunderstandings. That when we don't want to appreciate our own self, that we create ideas on comparisons to others that we look to others and think, well, look at that. I want to be like that. I want to have these things, but I don't, so I can't and I won't. And the, this ego and this identity is created where we have decided where we fit into life and every particular group that we have somewhere, sometimes we're the leader, sometimes we're the follower, sometimes we're just making up the numbers. And we're, we're different in all of these particular areas in a way that we compare ourselves to others. And the very nature of comparison for me is is probably what the opposite of life would be is looking to others for the answers it, it it's you know i've learned so many things from from people around me but it's always come back to me in deciding how i've learned and what i've learned from that experience not to be told by someone else what i've learned you know and i believe i give up my life when i stop being true to myself and that doesn't require some deep level of spiritual connection because what I've chosen to be at this particular time within someone else's eyes is, is right or wrong. This is the fullness at this particular moment of who I am. I got no doubt that will change in time. But my, my life is about exploring the unknown, is about teaching people how to navigate that unknown and how to actually do so because one thing I've become aware of is that everything is unknown. And to have these talking heads around the world at times telling us what's right and wrong for us and what's actually happening and, and to believe that science is actually a truth for them. I mean, these are all observations that other people make. We've got to make the observations ourselves, and we've got to be able to see our own authority and, and get into this state of personal governance where life becomes of our own creation, not through the fears of not creating, but by following and replicating what others are doing. This is not what life is. It's to bring newness. And uh, I would say, look, there's many different opposites within that, but possibly, you know, is to live a life that other people expect me to. Yeah, it has been a very interesting conversation. I love your wisdom, your clarity and um, authenticity, of course. 
And uh, I have one last question for you. This is a technical question. Where can we find more information about you and your services? What do you do, products, and future projects, Jason? Okay, so we've been around for a bit over, uh, I've been doing this for a bit over 20 years, but as a quantum movement, um, the organization I'm a part of is we have a, at this stage, For public contacts, we have a private site, but for, for public contact at this stage, um, we have a Facebook page called The Quantum Movement. It is a, it has only just started uh, because we've only started to publicly release what we're doing, and it, it's after all this time that we're now starting to do that. We've worked with thousands and thousands of people in, in a whole range of different capacities, but it's always been by referral and application. So we are about to start a a collective where people can start to explore more of what we do in a more determined and, and um, deliberate space. So we have that public page where people can interact and, and, you know, follow what it is that we do. We don't post a hell of a lot on there, but we, we have a community that we're developing to expose people to what we teach. And then we have programs. We have three programs, which are one called Present Moment, which is a um, six-week program, which gets people just to that particular point to release the who, not, not to come to some, you know, divine intervention within themselves. And, you know, this is what, what I've learned in life is that we all want this quick fix and we want to get to this particular heightened space and it feels great to be there, but the rest of our life not the same, it makes it a problem. You know, we've refined this over 20 years to understand and get past the excitement of teaching something, but to be responsible in the fact of getting people to first come to accept and be able to release and let go of all of the, the stories, all of the blame, all of the crap, you know, that, that they hold on to in order to first then become present to then learning to go into a next phase that we often call the connection, which is about people expressing themselves deeply and authentically. And once they can find that voice, not just in a practiced and a, and a taught environment, but, you know, where they want to speak out on a stage whether they want to just speak deeply to their partner, to their friends, or just be authentic in life, we go through this stage called the connection. And then the, the last part of that initial stage of what we offer is, um, is called becoming your authority. And, the, the, and that is about going into the deeper states of understanding how to work with energy and the, the fullness of what exists around us into those ether, into that open spaces and becoming commanding of that in your own life in a deliberate way rather than waiting for the universe to provide to us. It's about recognizing that the environment is a result of you, not you being a result of the environment. So we teach people how to do that, to understand the ego, to maintain, not just have, but to maintain a connection in their life where they don't think, well, geez, I need to connect. I need to become in peace with myself, is that they recognize when they're disconnected. And it's in that particular space that they're working with that rather than continually aspiring to some higher source of information. And then from there, we go into beliefs and, and energy and protection and a whole range of things that allows people to practically apply the unknown and take these you know, ancient and, and modern philosophies into a way where they become the determination of it. We, we don't teach a philosophy. I don't believe in that. We teach people how to access what's within them, maintain it, communicate with it, and then from there, utilize that in a way of their own expansion of their own life. And to me, I call that whole thing awakening independence. So 
we're, we're just starting to 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 take that in. We've um, we've got further exposure that's that's coming in that particular space. But we're really excited, um, myself and a number of other mentors, to be facilitating that particular space. I absolutely love that and would love to know more because I don't, I've been talking to you, but I don't know. I have not read anything about it. That would be great if you could send it to me when you're ready with that information. Thank you so much again, Jason, and we'll talk soon. Thank you very much, Valeria. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Jason Reynolds, please email him at jason at thequantummovement.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bigrock. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.